Well, hey, we're going to uh, go ahead and get into the uh, sermon today. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew uh, 6. We're going to camp there for a bit and 7. And um, while you're turning there, one little thing, too, is this is always in the back of your chairs. I know a lot of the connection takes place digitally now through emailing the church or on the Facebook digital foyer, uh, digital prayer group. Uh, just search that, Rock of Grace Digital Prayer Group, Rock of Grace Digital Foyer on Facebook, and you can find it's a, it's a little bit quicker way to get the word out about stuff, but there's also these that in the back of your seats, if you ever just want to write a prayer concern and let the staff know, and then you can even mark staff only if it's very sensitive, and we can pray with you. Uh, a lot of things going on in our church family right now that we're praying for, and so I was so appreciative of that word from Noel because that, that, was, that was powerful. How many of you guys are believing for a tipping point of miracles, of salvations? Amen? Let's pray before we go to the word together. Father, I thank you again for your word. I thank you that you are our Father. I pray that today, Lord, you would take this message and, and God, uh, that it would just really strike the heart of every person. Lord, even if they're far from you or they're seeking you or they're uh, just devoted to following you, God, that we would all love you more. God, that we would live out your love more in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Well, um, today we are beginning a series called People of the Spirit. People of the Spirit. And um, I'm, I'm really focusing on the Trinity. In fact, on your way out, uh, I've ordered books for you, Crossway. The publisher was able to give them to me at a really su super cheap price so I could give one to every family. And so if you guys could look back at the double doors, you see those fine-looking gentlemen back there and lady. Hi, Kathy, I see you. I see you. Just uh, give me a second. I see you. Um, they are going to hand you a book on your way out. And, uh, in fact, if you could hold that book up because I want to uh, explain the heart of this. The heart of that, of me giving this away, is that it's not just for you, but that you will go through this with your spouse um, and, and potentially grab a friend from work or a coworker or a neighbor. And because a lot of times I talk about mentoring, I talk about discipleship, and it's like, man, what do I do, though? Um, this is a great, simple book that you can just say, hey, we're just going to read these two pages together, or we're going to read these seven in a row because it's one per day for 52 weeks. You say, hey, we're just going to read one per day, and we're going to talk about whatever one, you know, you like the most. And that's a, guys, that's an easy way to do discipleship. You can do it over coffee, over breakfast, and you watch. Suddenly you're making a big impact in someone's life. Amen? Well, we're talking about the Father's gift today, the Father's gift. I want to talk to you. I, I want to first open up by saying, you know, I'm not sure um, how your father was growing up. And it can be a very uh, sensitive and difficult issue because a lot of people um, you know, had a difficult childhood and a difficult relationship with their father. I have to say, mine was pretty great. My dad is here right now. Can you wave at him, Dad? Just awesome. Give a hand, Mark Beal, Pastor Emeritus. My my dad, Mark, he had a rough dad growing up. I've heard him talk about that many times. Carl wasn't quite the affectionate type, was he, or the affirming type? He struggled like most men in expressing. Uh, much emotion, unless it was an emotion of get the chores done, get get the cows milked, right? Um, and uh, yet, 
he, he did value hard work and a good work ethic. And that's one of the things I'm very thankful that my dad passed down to me was the value of hard work. And I'm very thankful for that. And I will say I'm also very thankful I did not have to milk cows. Can I get an amen somebody in here? I know that spoke to somebody. I was telling my kids yesterday, you don't have to get up at 5 a.m. and milk cows. And they're just looking at me like, what? Even though they're so, it's so far removed, it's like, that's where milk comes from? I mean, it was like, anyway. But my dad taught me many, ama- by the way, I was at the fair the other day. Can I just be ADD for a second? Don't go look at the cows getting milk and then go get a milkshake. Like, that was messed with me so bad. I was like, look, kids, this is how it works. And it was like, milkshake. Yeah, so just, that's just a piece of advice for you, Savior. Just, just don't do that. All right. But my dad taught me many things. He taught me how to honor people, how to give people dignity, no matter who they were or where they came from. He was always lending out the car, and I'd say, Who's, wh- who was that that just drove away with our car? And like, oh, they're new to church. I'm like, and you just gave them our car? He's like, well, it's not our car, son. It's God's car. <laughs> so God taught, uh, my dad taught me about stewardship, about everything is God's and everything is for God. Uh, my dad taught me about the word of God, and I'm so thankful. My dad taught me about the Holy Spirit, right, and that God could use a life. In fact, he would often look at me. I've told you this before. He'd grab my shoulders in the morning, and uh, I'm still, like, half awake. You know, he's like, you're going to change the world. I'm like, <laughs> just got to eat breakfast, you know. Uh, but, you know, like every teenager in the moment, you're rolling your eyes, right? But, but deep down, you're like, man, thank you. It means a lot. And it's funny, even at the age of 38, do you know it still means a lot when he says, great sermon, son. Do you know that still means the world to me? Why? Because every person, I want you to hear this, we are intrinsically in need of a perfect father. And I want you to hear this. We can only find the perfect father in Father God. I want you to hear that. We're going to come back to that throughout the sermon. Because here's what I know. The reason why so many movies, right, and episodes of your favorite show will will come to this idea of a father wound is because it relates with the majority of the audience. It doesn't matter who's in the room. Because the majority of us, psychologists say, the majority of us would say, well, yeah, I had an okay father, but he, he really, he did this, and he wasn't there for me this. And, and we all kind of do, we all see our father as here. I want to tell you, your heavenly father, the reason you feel that is because you know deep down, come on, that you have a perfect father. Think about that. When I read that, I, you have a perfect father who exceeds all expectations, who was very faithful and is and will always be faithful to be there for you. Are you hearing me yet? Because I'm telling you, there is a, a message that God's put on my heart, and I, you've heard me preach about the father often. Uh, and I was asking the Lord on, on Thursday, I was praying, and Actually, I had a, a migraine, and I'm laying there. It was a really bad migraine. And I was saying, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to say? And, you know, I was thinking through different, different sermons I've preached before from, you know, our Father, the Lord's Prayer, and going that route and praying. And, and I felt like the Lord just said, I've been teaching you this for 12 years. 12 years. So I'm going to tell a lot of stories today, if that's okay. You might laugh a little. You might cry a little. Come on. Right? Um, but I feel like God wants you to just hear, like, when, when, when you as a father, and some of you are fathers or grandfathers, when you as a parent 
are parenting your kids, God is teaching you. Come on, how many know? God is teaching you in that moment. So we all long for a father who affirms, who provides, who protects. And God does that. I want you to, to hear this. God loves each of us equally and unconditionally, but we're all so different. God loves each of us equally and unconditionally, but we are also different. Lonnie, your needs are different than Pastor Ed's. Yet God knows exactly your needs. Your wishes, your, what you're hoping for, what you're needing. God knows each of you so well. I'm tempted to bring Ray up with their new baby. Can we just thank God for the new baby with the Cox family? Come on. It's like the perfect illustration right there. I just, I just, the way he's holding that baby, caring for that baby, that baby doesn't even know. He didn't wake up and be like, you know, I'm going to need a bottle about 9.15 and about 10.29. I sent you an email last night. But the baby just is hungry and what do parents do? Take care of him. God is taking care of you so often and you don't even know about it. Can I just say that God has been taking care of you so often. And, you, man, I see babies everywhere up in this place today. It's awesome. It's awesome. 1 John 4, 8. Anyone who does not love God does not know God yet. For God is love. It's not that God has love. It's that God is love. Think about that. God is love. Love is his very being. To say this, I was reading through this book, and I, I had read it uh, maybe two years ago, and I was rereading it, and he mentioned this verse. He said, you know, to say that is to say he is eternal. He is love. He is constant. He is faithful. And the thing is, people, including maybe your earthly father, will let you down or have let you down. Has maybe been unfaithful, but God is the perfect father who has always been faithful because he is perfect love. Amen? His faithfulness comes out of his love, who he is. God is never going to change. You may stop believing in God. God's not going to stop believing in you. Come on, think about that. You may stop loving God. You're listening online, maybe, maybe you've stopped loving God and you turned on uh, this, this video. Out of curiosity, God has not stopped loving you. I love what John Piper said. I was listening to an audio book uh, while, while I was laying there on Thursday called Think. And he was talking, he was saying faith has to be receiving. Has to be receiving. Faith is believing that God is God, that he is Father God, that he's good, even when we don't get what we want. It means we know that he is genuinely love and sometimes that we're given something other than we asked for. Turn to Matthew 7, verse 7. We'll uh, let Jesus teach, teach us for a minute when he was preaching this. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. 
Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to you who ask him? I pack my kids' lunch in the morning. There's only like one day a week that they like what's on the menu, right, at school. Come on, can I get a witness? I see Monica. She just received that, right? Listen, I, I don't put a rock in there and be like, <laughs> wasn't that funny? They'll be like, no, Dad, that wasn't funny. Right? But I also don't put in there what they want me to put in there. Since that fair that we actually went to with the, with the Pitts family, we were at the Cortland Fair, they got this big bag of candy. It was really dumb that I took this home. I should have given it all to them. I don't know what I was thinking. Took it home. They asked for candy. Eva and Eden have asked for candy in their lunch every day. Dr. Hearn, I should have just let them have it, give you more business. Come on, right? But I can't give them candy. They ask for candy every day. Every day. And I've said, no, you can't put, no. Now, occasionally I'll sneak it in because I'm a good, good father. That's just who I am. It's who I am. You know, sneaking a little sweet as fish. But most of the time I say no. Why would I? Because in each season of life, God knows what we actually need. So sometimes he does not give us what we pray for. Sometimes he does not give us what we pray for. I have to break it to you. I want to put up a picture of my girls. That's Eden, Eva, Ellie, and Selah. And they are all so different. And I want to put them up there like that so you could see they're all different. And they're uniquely loved and they're uniquely known by mom and dad. They each have different emotional needs. Eden, for example, is a little more sensitive. You just look at her and she's like, I'm in trouble and tears, right? And the other, it's a couple other ones. You look at them and they're like, what are you looking at me for, right? I mean, so, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'll give you the stare back, you know. Um, they're all very unique and different. This is our little guy. I know you can't see his full face, but <laughs> that's awesome. His name's Lucas. He loves the mower. He loves the mower. But I want you to hear this. Our Father in heaven provides for us something the world can never provide. Please hear this. Because you can't find this anywhere else. Genuine, unconditional love. A love that can only come from him. I was reading again in this, this book last week and... Plato said this, philosopher, he said, being must prevail over meaninglessness and death. Now, why would I put that up there? It's not to equate Plato with scripture. I know you guys know I wouldn't do that. But the point is, even a philosopher who thinks and studies and thinks and studies about the meaning of life and comes to the point where he realizes, and he talks about this, that we, we have this need for meaning and a desire for just being, not just doing, not just earning or achieving or clocking in and clocking out, but being loved. And that can only come from Father God. Plato found what Augustine found, that only our satisfaction can truly come from God, our Father. Everybody say Father. Our Creator, the one who made us for this friendship. Blaise Pascal, I've, I've mentioned, quoted him before. 
He calls this the reasons of the heart, that we search for God and we search for meaning, and so we find him. And I want to tell you, you cannot find that meaning until you come to Father God and let him be your father and let Jesus be your brother. I love how in Luke 24, by the way, I was reading this uh, a little over a week ago where Jesus is explaining the scriptures to them. He's risen from the dead, and suddenly their eyes were opened. And you know what hit me? This happened over a meal in their house. He didn't rise from the dead and say, now meet me at the synagogue at 1015. This happened over a meal at their house. You know, Jesus wants friendship with you. He wants to share a meal with you. Come on, he wants life with you. Jesus reveals the Father's love, and it's personal. Just like any father who's a good father, right? He doesn't say, I'll see you in a week. I'll see you next week at 9.30. I'll see you next week at 9.30. No, he, he's with you. He is faithful. He is there every day. You can come home and count on the Father is there for you. Are you hearing that? Amen? Can I say this? God not only loves you, he likes you. I don't know who this is for, but you, you might think, well, God has to love me. Because remember, you told me God is love. But I don't think he likes me. He likes you. He likes the quirks that you have. Elijah, he likes you. He likes your mullet. Come on, let that sink in. Olivia, he likes you. He loves that awesome laugh that you have. Yes, even that. He likes you. He knows your personality. He made it. He loves you. He likes you. Now here's the most deep point you're ever going to hear from this pulpit. Are you ready? Do you forget the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the Greek? Write this one down. God has snot on his shoulder. Now you can study, you can go to seminary, I highly suggest it. I highly, but I hope you don't miss the fact that every day I get snot, right? Lucas knows how to shove it in there. Come on. Does any, has anybody ever had a, you know, a little one? And they could turn their head. And by the way, it's right when you grab a napkin. Grab a napkin and he'll turn his face Shove that snot right there. Now, as, a, as dad, when Selah did that growing up, when Ellie did that, when Even did, uh, Even, I do that at home all the time too. Eva, Eden, do that. Lucas now does that. I don't put him down and what are you thinking? No. Oh, man, got to wash, wash that. Still just rub his back. Do you know every time you've cried on the shoulder of God, he's just rubbing your back? Are you hearing this? He's not mad at you. When you've been frustrated at life and you got hurt, when you fell, he just picks you up. He just rubs your back. Some of you need to hear that. Because you're striving too hard. And you think that because everything's not perfect in your life, it's all your fault and you're beating yourself up and you're forgetting 
that you're a child and you are utterly helpless without him. And that he is good and that he is perfect. He's perfect. And he has your snot on his shoulder. Why? Because every time you've cried, he's there. Psalm says he bottles your tears. He's teaching you and I to trust him that he will supply everything we need. Look at Luke, or I'm sorry, Matthew 6, verse 25. It's one of my favorite passages. As you're turning there, I want to tell you too from 1 Peter. It says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Look at Matthew 6. Jesus, uh, what's, what we would say is one of his longest sermons. He's preaching about a couple different things, but they're all tied together. He says this, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. Don't be worried about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, nor about your body, what you're going to put on. Is not life more than food and body, more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? And which one of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. Neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't be anxious, don't be worried, saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? And what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, but your heavenly Father knows, he already knows that you need them. So seek first the kingdom of God. That's what I write. I've written that on every single graduation card, almost every single graduation card I've ever written. A lot of times I write it on a, a card to a young person getting married too. Hey, just put God first. Seek God first. Make Jesus and knowing Jesus your number one priority. Everything else will fall into place. Amen? Look at this. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow is anxious for itself. Can I say that in today's world, how many know where there's a lot of crisis, there's a lot of decisions being made that are difficult? How many would nod your head with me, right? Difficult. Difficult decisions being made. And the decisions are only going to get harder and harder. But in this changing culture, hear me, you can know what never changes. That is the love of Father God and the truth that he will guide you into making the right choices. Can I say that again? In this changing, I think we need to read this. All right, let's read this together. In this changing culture, you can know what never changes. This is the love of Father God and the truth that he will guide you into making the right choices. That is a disgusting evil spider right there. And I'm about, I'm about to just kill it before. It, I'm going to throw it right at you. <laughs> Look at that. In the name of Jesus. Spider from hell. Where are you at, little demon? I'm going to kill it. Man, that was like David and Goliath. I got to cut off its head now. All I did was knock it out. It's gone. It's crawling up Stephanie right now, right over there. Sorry about that. Don't be anxious. 
be worried about nothing. <laughs> but how many realize God, I'm sorry, how many realize that in today's culture, there are more contentious and different opinions than ever before? And social media doesn't help, right? Because it just fans the flame of those differing opinions on, on all things regarding health, regarding your uh, governmental authority, all of that. I'm, I know it's the elephant in the room, so you might as well address it, right? Here's the thing. All of that is going to be continually changing. This is why I keep telling people, and some of you will call and ask, I, listen, go to your father. Go to the father in prayer. He is the only thing that is never changing. His word is not changing. You spend time with Father God, you spend time with the word, and you can know that he is speaking to you and that you're making the right decisions. Amen? Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. I want to tell you that God loves us equally and unconditionally, and we're all so different. So he disciplines us differently. He disciplines us differently. It's funny, I was reviewing the slides and the sermon this morning, and Lucas comes up and he's ripping the, um, the corner. Uh, Daniel, you weren't awake at the corner uh, protector thing that, like, stops the corner of the table, you know? And he's pulling it off, and I'm saying no, and he's pulling it off. He's getting mad. He's like, I want this thing off. And he's ripping it. And I'm saying, I'm, no, I'm, I'm disciplining him. Even though he doesn't know, I'm protecting his face from getting hurt. So God disciplines us. God does course correction, and sometimes it makes us mad. I know you're saying, Jordan, you can't make it that simple. Yes. Yes. That's what the word tells us. Read 1 John. Read 1 John. He disciplines you because he's your father. He does course correction. He sometimes doesn't give you what you want. And what you're praying for. And sometimes he says no. And sometimes he says things to you and a certain circumstance doesn't go the way you want it to go. Sometimes it's just to keep you safe. Look at this, Hebrews 12. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. We're talking about the attributes of a father God. We talked about him affirming us. We talked about him protecting us encouraging us, comforting us. Now look, sometimes he disciplines us. He says it is for our discipline that you have to endure for God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time and it seemed best to them but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. That we may share. And sometimes God disciplines, before we go to the next passage, sometimes God disciplines you just through a rhema word. You just read in your Bible and God course corrects you. Sometimes God disciplines you through a life group leader or through a pastor. And they might look at you and say, hey, that's not appropriate to talk to your spouse that way. You would be shocked the number of people who just say, well, you're not my pastor and leave. And I'm like, that's, that, that's half the reason you have ministers in your, your life. 
Yes, to encourage you. Yes, to comfort you. And, and it's the honor. It's the honor of the deepest honor of the Lord for a pastor to be with you in marriage and baby dedications and milestone moments. But there's also times when a pastor or a life group leader, because we consider life group leaders under shepherds, they might say, hey, I'm not going to do that in front of the whole group. But one-on-one, they might say, hey, you know what? You were pretty condescending to your spouse the other day. I just want to encourage you what it means to honor your wife. They love you. They're trying to help you save your marriage, friend. Discipline, it doesn't feel good in the moment, but it's good for you. Look at this. For the moment of all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather healed. And look at this. Strive for peace with everyone, for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many, I want you to notice this, become defiled. Do you know, if you connect these with me, okay, if you're not allowing the Lord to discipline you, and then you develop a root of bitterness over the person that God is trying to guide you. Now you can defile many. Come on, can I say that again? Can I put this in three steps real quick? There are times when a life group leader or a pastor will say, hey, man, that's not the way to act. That's not Christ-like. I, I want to encourage you to. If you're not careful, you can develop a root of bitterness towards that person instead of thankfulness. And then watch what happens. You defile many. I know it's quiet in here because that's what happens sometimes when someone is loving you enough to tell you the truth. God loves us equally and unconditionally, but we're also different. And we all need to guided, encouraged, and comforted differently. Do you know your Heavenly Father knows what you need? I'm going to close with this. He knows, he, prote- he, he provides for you, He protects you. He does that course correction, that discipline thing. And then listen to this. He is your creator who has all that you need. And he's teaching you to carry his love. That's why we are people of the spirit. This sermon series is people of the spirit because he gives you the spirit of God. First Corinthians says that same spirit. Romans 8 says that cries out, Abba, Father. How many have ever felt that? Come on, you know you're a child of God. Right? You know you're a child. Why do you know that? You felt that the moment you surrendered your life to Jesus and you repented of your sin, he gave you his spirit. And in here, everybody just touch your gut for a minute. Just touch your gut. Right here. Because it wasn't so much here. It was right here that you knew that you are called out to Abba Father. And thank God for that moment, right? Like we just sang about earlier. Thank God for that moment that your spirit was regenerated. You were born again. And now the spirit of God teaches you how to be like God. Teaches you how to be patient. Teaches you how to forgive. Teaches you how to turn the other cheek. One One of the best compliments you can ever receive is, man, you really turned the other cheek there. You really forgave and showed grace like Jesus does. God, his, our Father, 
is our creator. And when we realize this, that we're made not just by God, but for God, it changes everything. Look at Isaiah 40. Do you not know, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God? He's the creator of the whole earth. He never becomes faint or weary. There is no limit to his understanding. So he's the father, he's the creator, and there's no limit to his understanding. Can you stand up to your feet? I feel like these last five minutes, I want, I want the blood to start flowing. You're getting a little sleepy on me. Some of you are like, no, God's rubbing my back. No, he's done rubbing your back. He's about to give you a spank. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I want you to look at me eyeball to eyeball and realize that if you're, if you're thinking, well, I, I don't have the patience and the love lately and the compassion. I'm just tired. I'm worn out. I'm this or that. Maybe God wants to just fill you with his fatherly love. Right? Because then you can be that. Because he sees you for who you're becoming. He sees you for your future. He doesn't label you by your mistakes. He doesn't look at your worst day and define you. Come on. People really like to do that. We don't do that. No, the Father sees you. And even on your best day, he doesn't love you more. And on your worst day, he doesn't love you less. He is faithful, consistent, patient, compassionate, caring, gracious. And these attributes become your attributes as the Spirit of God fills you. Look at 2 Timothy 1. Seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and a sound mind. You see, it's the, we're people of the spirit. The spirit of God fills us right here. Can you put your hand on your chest again? Because right here, the spirit of God comes in. And it brings truth and peace. And it clears out the fog in your mind of a restless or racing thoughts. The Father, can you just say peace with me? Say peace right here. You need to understand, Rock of Grace, that you are worth more than the birds in the heavens. You need to understand right here in your gut that you are loved so deeply by Father God. You need to also understand that God was rubbing your back while you were crying on his shoulder. It's not that he wasn't there, he was there. Scripture tells me that he is near to the brokenhearted. And I feel like there's maybe a couple of you here even today who feel like God has left you or God's been far from you in a difficult season. No, God is closer to you now than he's ever been. He's near to the brokenhearted. And there's times when it just feels like God is quiet, but trust me, he's still there. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now. We're not closing yet, but we're gonna worship. We're gonna sing this, but I want you to look at them in the eyes and say, God may seem far, but he is not. I want you to tell him this, God may seem quiet, but he is there. Come on, prophesy to him, minister to him. Say, God may seem quiet, but he is there. He is your father, and he has given you his spirit. 
Can I say that again? He is your Father, and He has given you His Spirit. We're going to talk about the, that more in two weeks. The Spirit of God. He supplies all that we need because He is good. Psalm 25 says, The Lord is good and upright. Therefore, he shows sinners the way. He leads the humble in what is right. He teaches them. You know, one of my favorite things to do as a dad is I hold uh, my girl's hand and I just walk down the street with them. And they'll venture out to the middle of the street and I just hold their hand. I give them a little nudge. I need one of those leashes, to be honest with you, because I have so many. But I'm guiding them. Come on. I'm guiding them. I want to tell you, God is holding your hand. When you're at work and you're making difficult decisions lately, he's holding your hand. You're not alone. Hear me, you are not alone. You're not alone in those decisions. He's holding your hand and you're walking together through this thing called life. Amen? Amen. We're going to sing this and we're going to give you a chance to respond. Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. This is what we believe. Let's sing this. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Know to be true, Lord, that Jesus. 
Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's make this chorus our anthem, our declaration. I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion. Do you know what you believe, church? Come on. Your holy church. I believe in the resurrection. He's going to come again. what we believe, even in a world that's changing and pressures change and decisions have to be made, but listen, you can know what doesn't change. Your father's holding your hand. He's holding your hand and he's with you in it. I want to give an opportunity. We have to give an opportunity every week for people who don't know the Lord. If you hear this and you, you feel God speaking to your heart and you've never given your life to Jesus, You've never surrendered. You never repented of your sin and said, I need a Savior. If that's you and you want to declare, I need a Savior, can you raise your hand? You say, I need to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. I need to accept God as my Father so I can be forgiven. If that's you, would you raise your hand and we'll say a prayer with you. And we're going to make that moment right now. I'll give you just another minute. Ushers, help me out if I'm missing anybody. I don't think I am, but. So listen. I am believing that God is going to give you this week, and today I believe he already has, an assurance again of his faithfulness and his goodness. And not only are you going to be filled with his love, but you're going to start to show his love. And when you feel like your patience is wearing thin with a coworker or with somebody or whatever, that you just say, I believe in God our Father. Come on, I believe that he is good. I believe in the resurrection. I believe in these things that are gonna hold me true. And I'm gonna let Father God show his love through me. I'm gonna let the Spirit of God, I'm gonna be a people of the Spirit. I'm gonna let the Spirit of God teach me how to be loving, joyful, patient, peaceful, kind, compassionate, self-controlled. Amen? I want to end this with a blessing, but instead of me blessing you, I want you to bless one another. All right? So I want all the guys to go to a guy. I want all the girls to go to a girl. Come on, find somebody. And I want you to say, I bless you with the Father's love. And even ask him, is there anything I can pray with you about? I bless you with the Father's love and ask him, is there anything I can pray with you about? Because sometimes people need prayer and they're just, they just need asked. And go ahead and pray with them. Pray with them. Ask God to intervene, to step in, to fill them with his love. Thank you, Lord.